0: Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention.
1: And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage.
0: Corrine, I feel like I had been worrying for so long about something that's no longer a source of anxiety anymore. And I know a lot of gurus are going to say like, see, we've been telling you all this time. Don't worry about things ahead of time in the future. Just focus on the present. But guys, it's easier said than done. However, oh my
1: gosh. Amazing. No news. more inbound testing.
0: This is what we've been waiting for. Um, I, When I saw the news in the morning, I'm like, guys, don't get too excited. We need something official. Like I I wasn't allowing myself to get that excited yet until it was actually on the CDC website.
1: I was really stealing myself, preparing my mental health Mm -hmm. for the summer because we know we're seeing people, we were seeing people test positive in destination left and right. Yep. And... The, I can't even describe the relief. Like, it's almost like I don't fully believe it yet that that is not a problem for me. Yeah. I was calling. I was I mean, not calling. You know, I hate to call. I was <laughs> texting and emailing all of my clients. But I did only uh, personally reach out to the ones that are leaving in the next three months just, just in mm-hmm. case. Yeah. I don't want to be out there telling somebody don't worry about it. But I have so many people headed to Europe. So I'm so excited. I am a little worried that we are suddenly going to get bombarded with Europe requests for this summer. And Europe's sold out for the most part. You know what I mean? That's why
0: I'm not worried because if they're reaching out for this summer travel to Europe, it's an immediate, they're sold out. So I'm not too worried about that um, for this summer because we already are, we're already in the middle of June. So anything that that comes to me that's last minute for the very big ticket European countries like Italy, for example, I mean that's good luck. Good luck with Italy for the next month. But if it's something that is more like Eastern European or something that's not as popular, I might consider it. But for the most part, I'm just I'm just relieved because most of my clients who are traveling for this year. It's the summer and it's to Europe. So, yeah, collective sigh of relief. When I first heard the news, I had my assistant start drafting an email to go out to my clients. I'm yeah. like, it's drafted it up. And once it's official, we're going to fill in the details
1: and it's going to be a boom. Send it out. I I definitely let out what you might call a whoop or a holler. <laughs> a little air hump, which is my signature. That's usually (laughs) reserved for really huge high ticket sales, but Mm -hmm. felt like it was appropriate in this case. Yeah. yeah. What a dream going into the summer. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But that's the big news. I'm sure
1: everyone. Yeah. No point in saving that for a news article because we're all there.
0: (laughs) Well, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, do you think Korea is going to put this in Nexus baggage? No, 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 no. We're going to be talking about it first thing.
1: (laughs) That's right. Before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to TravMarketMedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business.
0: So even though the testing requirement is lifted uh, to come to the US, we are still dealing with Quote unquote air travel insanity this summer, according to this Travel Pulse article. And boy, have we been feeling this. Um, we've seen stories about Dublin Airport being so crazy full. If you're not there four hours ahead, they're just like, you know what? It's too late, you're not going to make it. And even you know, KLM stopping sales of um, flights going through Amsterdam yep. because Schiphol Airport is just so overwhelmed. So we've been seeing these articles everywhere, and it's I think it's just going to get crazier now that the mask mandates have been lifted, travel restrictions are going away, this new you know lifting of the testing mandate. So it's just going to get. Worse slash better, depending on how you're looking at it. So this article is providing tips on how to avoid the air travel insanity this summer.
1: Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't go, ahead.
0: To <laughs> no,
1: go ahead. Um, regardless of testing, we're still facing shortages of pilots, crew, mm-hmm. airport staff. All of those things are still very real issues. And it's potentially going to get worse because like i said we're about to get people like i don't have to test i'm going now mm-hmm. and they're just going to be i think i saw that lufthansa canceled 900 flights last week oh, 900 wow. flights for for i don't know if they said for the summer or for july but yeah
0: this is an understatement in this article um <laughs> Here's a quote. Unfortunately, the aviation industry seems to find itself ill prepared to handle such passenger volumes leading to the airport chaos we've witnessed at airports around the globe in recent months. That's an understatement. Ill prepared. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we're seeing long wait times, huge lines, traffic jams, flight delays and cancellations, um, missing luggage. Um, luggage, just not showing up, uh, just so many crazy things that we've always had to deal with, but now it's on a 10 X level because it's just understaffing the works. You know, you guys know what we're talking about. Um, this article references a publication, uh, called timeout. It's linked in this article and it compiled some helpful suggestions, one, avoid certain airlines. In the US, all major carriers have been affected by the quote unquote perfect storm of circumstances that are creating backups at airports and ongoing flight disruptions. But JetBlue Southwest and Alaska were the first to start suffering problems this spring. Um, but a Fodar's uh, survey last month also, reviewed that, also revealed that customers have been particularly unhappy with American Airlines lately. <laughs> Shocker.
1: Um, I really feel like they're all they're, it, they're all experiencing challenges. Yeah, I, I can't imagine um, switching from one airline to another, and I especially can't imagine suggesting that my client do it, and yeah, then yeah. sure enough, that airline will have trouble, yep. trouble, and then yep. you're the one who's in the hot seat.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, um, you just
1: have to be prepared to 100%, navigate these situations.
0: Expect yeah. the unexpected. Get that travel insurance. Um, the next one is avoid certain airports. Some airports are presently more notorious than others for having ridiculously long lines to get their security st- screening checkpoints, passport control, and baggage claim, requiring departing passengers to arrive extra early in order to make their flights and arrivals to possess the patience of Job. 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 Oh my gosh, it's a <laughs> biblical reference. I'm like, Steve Jobs? Like he was patient? <laughs> I don't know. Patience of Job. <laughs> The latest airports to prove particularly problematic have been Dublin Airport, England's Manchester Airport, and Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport. So steer clear of those. But sometimes you can't. Like how right. – like sometimes you really, really can't. Like going to our um, our trip next month, on the way back, there is a layover in Amsterdam, Schiphol. So I – Don't know how else to avoid that. The routes are the routes. The routes are limited already. Yeah. So. Hope it's not a tight connection. I mean, I don't know. At this point, all I can do is laugh.
1: (laughs) They are also suggesting that you fly to big cities because obviously the smaller airports are even less staffed and having a harder time. And then, of course, the next one is me all day. Arrive at the airport early and avoid checking baggage. I am the person who will gladly sit at the airport, breeze through security, but sit there for three hours waiting for my flight. Just to make sure I don't have to feel I can't stand the way it feels to be under that pressure and Mm -hmm. rushing. And then, obviously, you know, I'm carry on or bust. But I saw... Another travel advisor, I wish I could say, who posted a meme today, I think that travel leaders put out that was saying, if you must check a bag, pack at least three days of clothing in your carry-on, which Mm -hmm. that's something I always tell people. If you're going to check, you need to pack that carry-on as though your big suitcase is not going to make it. So I always like to put like a black cotton dress with a kimono, like something that could be casual or dressy. Mm -hmm. clean undies, a couple of comforts. But um, if you're going to check a bag, I would absolutely say more than ever, you need to put extras in your carry-on so that you can deal with it if you don't get your bag for an extra day or two.
0: Or week, or you don't get it until you get home, which we know has happened to some people and their clients. So... um, I am in the same camp as you with going to the airport early. And I love Tampa airport because it is just so easy. I breeze through that airport all the time, but even so I will still sit there for two plus hours, three hours, sometimes waiting for the flight. And if I'm by myself, that's perfectly fine. But I know Gio's going to make a stink about it. And so the last time when we were flying to Croatia, he's like, What time's our flight? And we had already passed through security and we were already ready to go to the gate. And I'm like, Oh, it's like at this time, which was two and a half hours away. He's like, Oh my God, why do we have to get here so early? And I knew this was coming. I'm like, Listen, if you're going to travel with me, this is how we're traveling. Don't complain about anything.
1: <laughs> well, lounge access certainly helps.
0: Oh, for sure. And you know, if they were to increase the liquids allowance in carry-on bags, I will be carry-on all day, but I cannot not do a check-in bag because <laughs> I need my stuff, like my liquids. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next thing. Asta, if you're listening, that's the next thing we're going to push for is increase liquids allowance.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually... Even though that may seem kind of frivolous, it, it would cut down on the amount of checked baggage. It would actually mm-hmm. have an impact, I think, in situations where everything's gone bananas.
0: Right, right. Um, obviously, the next tip is get travel insurance. We don't have to detail this at all. Um, another one is download airline apps. And I 100% stand behind this. You will get updates immediately on the airline app. It says here with the unpredictability of changes being made to flight schedules, airports, departure boards, and even online flight information just aren't as reliable as updates yep. available on the airline's official apps. Through the app, carriers send push notifications or texts right to your phone in real time regarding last minute gate changes, delays, etc. I love landing, turning on my phone and getting a notification that says your fl- your next flight is departing from gate whatever and i think it was united where it told me your flight is go is going to land at this gate your next flight will leave from this gate the time the walking time from this gate to this gate is 15 minutes
1: that's fantastic
0: fantastic We're the 21st century. This is what traveling should be like. It should be easier, not tougher. So I love that. Especially for
1: people like me who tight connection or no tight connection, I know I'm going to have to pee in between. And so that lets me know whether I have to freak out or Mm -hmm. or I can just take my time.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Um, The next one is opt for a staycation. No. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, no, Um, you can read the details if you want linked in the show notes. (laughs) Take the train. Um, Sometimes that'll work. uh, But if you are in Tampa and want to go to Ireland, the train's not going to be a valid option. But if you just want to stay in the States or I don't know.
1: Or if you're you're hopping around Europe. Since you are so crazy right now, you might opt for a train instead of like EasyJet. Mm hmm. And then I think the last one is, which if if you can do this is great, take your summer mm-hmm. vacation slightly later. those of those of us, not me actually, those of you who have children and are tied to school vacations unfortunately mm-hmm. just don't have the flexibility and of course that flexibility is good on all fronts. you can get better pricing, right, better everything, more space, fewer crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I shouldn't say this because I'm not a parent and I don't know. It just seems to me like after everything kids have been through in school, out of school, virtual school, Mm -hmm. you know, taking your kids out of school to do something as enriching as a a European trip, it's probably not going to hurt them. Said the person who isn't a parent, keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just based on what I see in the media. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that's something I'm, very uh, lucky, I guess, where most of my clients are the busy professionals without children. So Mm -hmm. they are able to be more flexible with their schedules. So if someone's coming to me with certain dates in mind, and I'm just like, listen, flights are averaging this, um, hotels and everything else, you're looking at an average per person price of this. If you can push it to the fall, you are going to get a better value for your money. And just looking at flight prices for Greece, for example, I had a client who wants to go to Greece for her birthday at the the end of October and prices from Tampa over to Athens in the end of October, it was less than $800. And in today's day and age, that is a steal (laughs) because Mm -hmm. you're looking at easy, like, you know, $1,400 summer, like easy,
1: Yep. A friend of mine was just telling me that her ticket from Orlando to Boston was $900. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next article I grabbed, because this conversation comes up a lot in different Facebook groups. This one's from Travel Age West, and it's five of the best swimmable Los Cabos beaches. So... Los Cabos is tricky because a lot of the beaches are not only not swimmable, but actually dangerous. They have Mm -hmm. steep drop-offs and, you know, they're hazardous. So for the most part, um, Los Cabos is for people who want to do resort stuff and have beautiful views. Mm -hmm. But actually I took a, a little course from the tourism board and learn that there are some swimmable beaches. I feel like the overall sentiment sounds like there aren't, but there are some. And so it's good for you to be familiar with them in case you do have a client who's tired of going to the East Coast of Mexico, wants something different, but they like to get in the ocean, right? So it says, while Los Cabo's breathless coast might be its most valued lure, many first-time travelers to this Baja California escape do not realize that many of the beaches here are not suitable for swimming. Most of Cabo's beaches are off-limits to swimmers because the Sea of Cortez boasts strong waves and some powerful undercurrent. So they're saying, don't let that ruin your hopes. And here are some options. Medano Beach is considered the main swimming beach in San Lucas. Uh, Also, if you look at a tourism map, there's different sections, San Lucas being one of them. It's full of beach restaurants, vendors, and lounger rentals. It does often get overcrowded with tourists. But if you don't mind all of the commerce, you'll satisfy the need for time in the water. And then it says if you like things like water sports and equipment rentals, head to one of the area's beach clubs. Then the second one is Chileno Beach. Um, this one is along the hotel zone and it's actually a favorite among locals it's a low-key spot it doesn't have all the luxuries of medano but it offers useful amenities such as palapas portable restrooms and a nearby restaurant more importantly it features a calm bay that is good for snorkeling it's one of cabo's best snorkeling spots and it's easily accessible by bus or cab so um that sounds like my cup of tea i like those calm bays
0: yeah. I'm looking at some of the photos of the different beaches and you know me, I'm not a big beach person. I love looking at the ocean, but getting in, no, thank you. So Cabo was perfect for me because the hotel was so beautiful. The pools were pristine and you could just sit in the pool and admire the view. And to me, that is exactly what I wanted. So in yeah. looking at some of these photos at the beaches, I'm like, it is pretty, pretty. I mean, for yeah. people who do want to get into the Pacific and who do want to have that beach experience that feels different. Um, a quieter beach on this article is Palmia Beach. That's in San Jose del Cabo. Um, it's trickier to get to, um, you, you'll need a car. Um, it doesn't have as many beach amenities, but apparently it's worth the hassle. Um, it's San Jose's most cherished beach with plenty of snorkeling and swimming opportunities. There are a few beach palapas for shade too, but rental umbrellas are also on hand pack a picnic and some beach blankets as there are no restaurants nearby and do remember to bring your snorkeling gear. Well, I I think one of the reasons why I don't like going to the beach as much as an adult is because as a child, I loved it because my parents were the ones getting ready like in terms of like all the beach stuff and they cleaned all the sand afterwards. Whereas now as an adult, like I have to be the one to clean
1: everything. And I'm like,
0: no, thank you. I think that's why. (laughs) (laughs)
1: something i like about cabo is that from that pool looking out to the ocean there's often cactus in between and i just love that whole juxtaposition of Mm -hmm. the desert and the water yeah and then i guess there is the cannery beaches they that those are the beaches of coral negro and balconcito also known collectively as cannery beaches might just be the best in all of las cabos and in many ways they're right Sorry, I forgot the beginning part of that sentence, so that doesn't make sense. Um, So the beaches are just outside the marina before you reach land's end. They have fewer vendors, and they are not as crowded. But they have massive boulders to sit on or take refuge from the sun, and the water is fantastic for swimming. So some visitors snorkel here, but they're not the best spots for that. That's better for Chileno or Santa Maria. And here you can just enjoy a day of splashing in the water. And also next time I go to Cabo, I'm absolutely going to take a day trip to Balandra beach and La Paz. Mm-hmm. It's everything I've seen is just so spectacular. It's a calm bay and you can walk out less than waist deep forever, like way, awesome. way out. And it's just this calm water. That's just something I interjected. That's not in there. <laughs> that in the, article.
0: <laughs> um, the last beach on the list is Santa Maria Beach. Um, it is arguably Los Cabos' most famed snorkeling spot thanks to the abundance of coral reefs in its bay. Due to its popularity, consider going elsewhere if you're interested in just swimming. Because of its reputation, this beach might be a little crowded with tour companies that dock their boats here for snorkeling excursions. There aren't a lot of vendors here, um, which means the beach isn't as busy. Onset amenities include restrooms, showers, and a parking lot. During whale watching season, particularly in January and
1: February, keep an eye out for occasional spouts and breaching. Oh, that's all you have to tell me. (laughs) Uh, I think this is a good article to bookmark. So the next time you get a Cabo inquiry, you can remember which are the swimmable beaches because that's some valuable knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Last article we have for you this week is from Travel Age West, and it talks about travel advisors working with influencers and how to start. And I know the word influencer is a very loaded word because for a lot of us, we hear influencers and we're immediately like gross. Like, don't talk to me about influencers um, because, you know, we see them on social media all the time. And I think that term is so widely used and it's so generalized that we don't think about the benefits of using them as a tool or, or we're not thinking about the fact that some of us as travel advisors, we are influencers in a way you and we can't. <laughs> I'm very persuasive on a lot of things. Anytime when I have an idea and my husband says no and I change his mind, I finish it out with, I guess I'm an influencer. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Uh, Literally. Literally influenced you. Mm -hmm. Um, So this article, it says, you know, whether you love them or hate them, they're becoming an ever more visible presence in our social media feeds, on our television screens, and in the advertisements we see for everything from beauty products to fitness gear to travel. And it's so true because, you know, we have to think about how marketing is evolving through time. Mm -hmm. We think about, you know, the Mad Men days, even before the Mad Men days when you just had radio, and then you have Mad Men with print and magazine, and then you have television, things are changing. And I think if we really want to be relevant, we need to see how things are changing and how we can play a role in utilizing that for our own business. So what does influencers have to do with travel advisors? This article states that influencers can wield enormous power among their followers and many travel companies are already channeling that sway to raise brand awareness, generate booking leads and sell out special itineraries. And if travel advisors aren't yet getting in on this action, they are missing out on a huge opportunity in today's marketplace. And this article gives a look at how travel advisors can tap into the power of influencers and why, they or we should seriously
1: consider doing so.
0: Before we start, yeah. like, have you considered using influencers for
1: marketing? Yeah, it's definitely been in the back of my brain. And I know a couple of advisors who have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised to read in here that Globus has been doing it for years, I guess.
0: I mean, they invited so. me on one of their trips. So I guess they are using influencers. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I was just being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Steve Bourne, who's the chief marketing officer, said um, that influencers are the new third-party endorsement for travelers. Travelers spend a big part of their leisure time with the people they follow. And it's more than just information. It's a connection to their lifestyle. So influencers are a way that people consume specific ideas about traveling, such as where to go, how to get there, and who to do it with. And he says he sees three levels of engagement between travel companies and influencers. First, a hosted experience featuring firsthand content from the trip. Second, an influencer regularly promoting a company that they feel a connection to. And third, helping an influencer host a trip that he or she invites followers to join. I've seen a lot of that.
0: Mm -hmm. One thing I think is important to consider is, you know, obviously audience and who the influencer is and what their reach is, because I had the opportunity to be on a particular experience where a ton of social media influencers were invited. And I recognized them on Instagram. I followed them. They had millions of followers, hundreds of thousands of followers. And the hope was to use them to generate more bookings for this particular experience that was geared towards Millennials and the people who would be on Instagram. And I, I don't think it worked because I don't think their marketing team really considered who these um, influencers had as followers and whether or not they were able to truly bring out the best aspects of this experience to reach their followers and make their followers want to book this experience. Right. So I've seen it done really well, but that particular time it was not done well at all. And I feel like it was a really big missed opportunity. Um, so it's interesting to see Globus using this and having three different niches of how to use influencers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it says you're a luxury safari operator, Alluring Africa is another travel brand that's getting into the world of influencer partnerships. This month, the company is operating a small group vegan safari in South Africa tour hosted by Diana Edelman, creator of the Vegans Baby blog. To set the itinerary, Edelman joined Becca Fritz, marketing manager of Alluring Africa on a vetting trip to choose hotels, experiences, and restaurants for the tour. Fritz says that the idea to partner with a blogger came out of the pandemic when the company wanted to find new ways to reach travelers. Um, she said, when I plan my trips, I'm Googling stuff. I'm on Instagram and Pinterest, and that's when I thought we should go after bloggers. Uh, out of the 10 traveler spots available on the itinerary, Fritz says that seven of the spots were filled, even though sales launched the same week that the Omicron variant hit the news cycle.
1: Yeah, I think um, if you can create a relationship with an influent- influencer and find a way to have them lead a trip, that is interesting to them and their Mm -hmm. audience that doesn't seem like that difficult of a thing to do, I guess, developing a nice authentic relationship first is the important Mm part.
0: Right. And having it and finding an influencer that fits the way that you do business and fits your goals and values and When your followers and their followers see their content, they're just like, oh, yes, I can 100% see myself doing that particular experience. And oftentimes I think that's one of the missing links is finding an influencer who may not have like 2 million followers. They may just have, you know, 50,000 followers, but their followers are incredibly engaged and fit your company brand. And you know, oftentimes we get stuck on looking at the actual numbers and not the ROI that could potentially come out of
1: a partnership. Well, that's so I think, uh, to be truthful, a lot of advisors, because this is an, ex, an, an inexpensive business to get into, you can do a lot of bootstrapping. And because social media, generally speaking, is free. Mm hmm the investment that it takes to work with an influencer sometimes seems intimidating or people just don't want to spend money. But the return on that investment can be huge Mm -hmm. if you can get your mind wrapped around it and find the right partner.
0: Right. And one of the things they say here is the benefit of working with influencers is ultimately about trust and having an influencer who does give out valuable information and tips. And I know for me, there are certain influencers, especially in like the beauty industry that I follow and I trust. And if they tell me like, hey, I use this product and here is the before and after, like there are only certain influencers where I'm like, okay, if so-and-so said this, like I trust her opinion because she's she hasn't steered me wrong in the past. So that's one of the benefits of using an influencer who does have that trust with their followers. Absolutely. Um, It says here, um, it gives examples of travel advisors who have initiated partnerships as well. Um, Allison Jones, president of Destinations to Explore, says her travel agency started working with influencers about 10 years ago after seeing a lot of business come in from the company's YouTube channel and collaborating with others in that space. She says, when we work with influencers, our closing ratio is much higher than any of our other marketing. Their followers already like them, and that trust level is already there. So if they say, book with my partner, people will go ahead and book. It's an opportunity to get someone to buy in without a lot of extra work.
1: Yep. Uh, They put some tips for getting started says for advisors who don't have existing connections to content creators or influencers, there's still plenty of ways to create these lucrative relationships. One of Joan's favorite ways of finding content creators is through Twitter. She recommends searching for hashtags related to the type of travel an advisor sells, then reaching out to establish common ground and eventually seeing if they're interested in collaborating. She also advises engaging with the person's content regularly to help foster a connection. You don't just Want to reach out once and then call it quits, she says. Continue to stay in touch and comment on their posts. You want them to know you really like their page. Yeah, I think if you come in too hot and they don't even know who you are, mm-hmm. that might be a little weird. So you yeah. really want like slowly foster, let them get to know you mm-hmm. and build an actual real relationship.
0: Right. Because if they're going to be um, – if they're going to be – Creating content for you and advertising for you, you have to understand that their followers already trust them. And if there is no trust between you and the influencer either, they're going to be hesitant to have that kind of relationship if they don't know you. That's if they're a good influencer and they're just not out there for, hey, like, here's a free trip and here's some extra money. Um, you know, just tag my company. A good influencer will understand the importance of the trust they've created and the trust they've built with their followers. Um, this article really does give some great examples and we're linking them in the show notes. Like it gives examples of other advisors who've used influencers for their trips. I can 100% see this for if you do group trips and things like that. If you're, if you're starting to organize group trips to have an influencer on board somehow, to help you market that particular experience.
1: Yeah, I definitely think this is worth the read and it will be linked.
0: Um, this also talks about advisors as influencers and I am 100% on board with this. And I think that a lot of us think that in order to be categorized as a quote unquote influencer, you need to have Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers, but that's not necessarily true.
1: Um, now Quality you might hear quantity,
0: exactly, and there are things like micro influencers, nano influencers who have smaller numbers of followers, but their followers are more engaged. So when it comes down to it, would you rather have you know a hundred thousand followers and? maybe you get 10 people book with you, or would you prefer to have 500 followers, but all of them have been your clients or are seriously considering hiring you to be a travel advisor? Like I prefer the 500 versus the hundred thousand followers any day.
1: Well, it's kind of like this podcast. We're never going to have millions of followers because we're super niche and it doesn't matter because that's, we're not trying to serve everyone. And like people can go out and build a huge following like, if a million 10 year olds follow you, they're not really going to be of any use to you, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um,
0: So whenever, you know, I've seen a lot of advisors go on fan trips and things like that. And so to me, I just feel like you can see yourself as an influencer. People are looking to you to be an expert and people are looking to you to influence them, to make decisions, to guide them. So don't, think that you're not in a place to do that on social media because you absolutely are. People are looking to you to provide value, to educate them, to, you know, show them something new. And one thing that I've really loved um, through my social media account is I have a lot of people following me from advisors to consumers and by a lot, not that much compared to like a hundred thousand or even close to that, but I have a good quality group and I have a good mix of advisors and consumers And I love being able to answer advisor questions, too, because they are following me on Instagram stories and they're asking, like, you know, how did you find the food or um, what was this like at this particular hotel? And I'm able to answer those questions for them, for them to better serve their clients as well. So who knows who else you'll be able to help aside from consumers. So be an influencer. It's not a bad thing.
1: Do it. (laughs) All right, it's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Pulse, Royal Caribbean Cruise Line is looking to partner with Elon Musk's SpaceX Starlink to bring Wi-Fi capability to its ships. They also report that a little more than two weeks after a fire interrupted a cruise and forced passengers to move to a sister ship, the Carnival Freedom returned to the water on Saturday, June 11th. An article from Travel Weekly says that a new platform for travel advisors, 400 by Design, hopes to connect agents with luxury properties and offer them increased earnings, payout 10 days after client checkout, and more. Another one from them says that the Mandarin Oriental Project in Grand Cayman, which will include a hotel and 89 residences, breaks ground this summer with completion slated for 2024. Travel Agent Central says that Pleasant Holidays has announced the expansion of its portfolio of hotels near the national parks of the United States and Canada, creating a wide selection of accommodations for national park vacations among U.S. tour operators. They also report that effective immediately, all travelers to the Bahamas are no longer required to take a COVID-19 rapid antigen test on the fifth day of travel, regardless of vaccination status. However, visitors must follow the COVID testing requirements for return to their respective countries. An article from afar says that plastic water bottles will soon be off limits at U.S. national parks. According to Travel Market Report, Norwegian Cruise Line is returning to the Canary Islands for the first time since 2017 with a six-month season of 10 to 14-day cruises. And there is no higher high note than the suspension of return testing for the U.S., so that's it for Excess Baggage.
0: Just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news. We're just sharing it.
1: If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes.
0: Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye.
1: Bye.